it's how much? That's way too expensive. I couldn't afford that. I'll have to think about it. Have you heard any of those objections before in your sales calls? You know, pricing objections, things that get in the way about money. Well, in today's podcast, I'm going to explore with Tess Weeks a bunch of stuff on money mindset and specifically how to get around those big objections. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use their stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hey, what's going on? It's Jules Dan here for Storytelling Secrets. Hey, we've got a cool episode today. How many times before have you heard that money objection? I've heard it a lot. I remember the last one I had, it looked like I told the price and looked like I'd given that person cancer. Maybe it's not that extreme for you. However, my guest today, Tess Weeks, now she's going to, we've been talking about a lot, a lot of stuff about money mindset overcoming price objections in that sales call and not and not being some pushy person like literally walking through it using logic and emotion with a story so we're going to cover that but let me introduce to you today Tess okay so she is the host of the Wonder Wealthy podcast and she's also a business mentor for online money coaches and her mission is to bring more financial literacy and confidence to the world by bringing more money to coaches to the world. She does this through her signature program, The Wealthy Coach Blueprint, and she gave me uh, a really good discount for, uh, not a discount, it's an evil word, she really gave me an amazing uh, price reduction just for you listening to Storytelling Secrets, it's called the uh, the Online Coaches Pricing Workbook, and she'll give you a little pitch about that, um, but everything that we're talking about in today, that goes into much greater detail, you can grab that, I believe it's 27 bucks, but um, I could be wrong, I think it actually might be a bit lower, she gave me a really, really good coupon for that. Anyways, I hope you're going to enjoy today my conversation with Tess Weeks. I'm going to leave her Instagram, her podcast in the description below. Definitely go check her out. Otherwise, hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Tess Weeks from the Wonder Wealthy Podcast. Welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm here with Tess Weeks from the Wonder Wealthy Podcast. And uh, Tess, how's it going? It's going. Things are great. How are you? Hey, I'm going really, really well, and we're going to be talking about a few different things around money. I love talking about money. Yeah. Uh, it's a conversation not many people want to talk about. They sweep under the rug every now and then, but everyone's got their story. You know, they, they, they start in the shadows, and then they realize, oh, you know, there's this different world when it comes to accepting money in your life. Um, I know that you are a money coach, so how did it all get started with you? 
Yeah, that is a pretty good story. Um, actually, it's not. <laughs> I went to school to learn about finance and I thought I was actually going to be an actuary, which for those who don't know, because it is kind of a nondescript profession, although some yeah, movies know. will talk about it. I'm not sure what that um, is. So it, an, an actuary is someone who assesses the risk of things failing and then applies a price to them. So actuaries will look at things like mortality tables and then be like, okay, you know, because you are of this age and you, usually it's like smoker, non-smoker and male or female based off of this, like very basic data points, they'll, they can determine how ma many more years you have to live. And then they can basically back out of it and say, this is how much you should pay in life insurance. So sexy, right? Yeah. You're one of those people. Okay. <laughs> So I'm a big nerd. Um, and I went to school because actually I didn't know what an actuary was. So I was like, sounds cool. I hear it's a business thing. I can envision myself wearing a suit, living and, and working in corporate America and living in a big high rise apartment. And I sort of did that when I graduated and I absolutely hated it. I loathed the entire career path. So I quit my job without a plan and really had that moment of like, what the heck am I supposed to do with myself? What, how do I want to make an impact on the world? Where do I feel like I can make an impact on the world? And I kind of got to the point where I really wanted to help people just like me, especially women in particular, who had, you know, graduated from college, had a pretty good career, but had no idea how to manage their money. I wanted to help them with that because that was a a topic I was comfortable with and a demographic that I was really um, excited to, to serve. So that's how I started money coaching. That's the short version. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 That's good. Cause we don't want to put everyone to sleep. Um, right. not, not that your story is boring, you know, actuary is pretty cool uh, profession, but did you start doing that on the side, you know, your money coaching while you were trying to get out or was it just like, I'm quitting, I'm done with this and then just struggle your way up. Um, I struggled my way up. I, on the side, I didn't really do much on the side other than my two girlfriends and I actually started a podcast before I quit my job. Um, and it was a podcast more focused around entrepreneurship. Um, and I was kind of in the back and I was like doing, I think the email marketing and, um, so a lot of the content stuff. And then I started freelancing or being a contractor for a, a content marketing company. And like, I went from data analysis to writing content. So this was a big identity shift for me. Yep. Um, but it also doing that process, like dabbling with this podcast that wasn't making us any money. It was just kind of a hobby. And then moving into working as a contractor for a content marketing company that gave me the confidence to actually start my own podcast. So I started my podcast before I started coaching, but I just like kind of started thinking like, I'm going to make a bunch of money podcasting, which I never yeah. did make a bunch of money yeah. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real here. Yeah. Podcasts, you know, they're not the most insane lucrative money driver, but they've got other good things. So what came yeah. out of that podcast? Yeah. So, I mean, I got a listenership, which, you know, when I started my podcast, I actually just started interviewing other financial experts because I had the 
the favorite of our, of all of us, the imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think I knew enough to teach people about money. I didn't think I, you know, was qualified to do that. And so I was like, well, I'll just interview other people so we can bring the conversation to light. And then I had enough people following me and enough people reaching out saying like, can you help me with my finances? And I thought, I guess, I mean, I figured it out for myself. I guess I could help you figure it out for yourself too. And that's how I got started. I had no plans. I didn't know what coaching someone even looked like, but I really just kind of trusted in the fact that if I was one step ahead of my clients, my potential clients, I could definitely help them. So I started there. Yeah, that's how everyone starts, right? Just a few steps ahead. Um, yeah. And just curious, who who was that first few those first few handful of clients? Uh, they were young, recently college grad professional women. Um, the first one I worked with, she was an engineer, and mm. um, we she was just really committed to to making making it happen, getting her life in order and organized. And so um, we just kind of started working together. And then I had some others trickle in along the way. Some were couples, some were single. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my ideal clientele was really millennial women who were making a good income, but didn't have much to show for it at the end of the year. So I really wanted to help them create that, that savings and that wealth. Yeah, it sounds like you had a pretty good picture of who you wanted to serve early on. That's very smart. Good tip for the mm-hmm. listeners. Did yes. you did you just find that out? Did you just get, get these clients into your lap or how did you find that, those targeted people right from the beginning? Um, the ones from the beginning really just came in through my podcast. And I think it was because I started my podcast in 2016, which... Yep is not like the early days of podcasting, but it still felt mm-hmm. pretty early before like everyone had their podcast. Yeah. So now there are, <laughs> there's tons of financial podcasts out there now. Um, but I really had a leg up because I just started one so early. And so I think I got a lot of the early listenership. Um, and obviously the way that my podcast was just positioned in the market, how I, you learned this, how I only interview women. Um, and you know, we talk specifically about finance and podcasting is also, you know, I think it's, it, these days it's much more broad and like lots of different people listen to podcasts, but yeah. five years ago, you know, who listened to podcasts, people that were just no, like it's... starting to understand about Lewis Howes and Tim Ferriss and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, nerds, but like yeah. <laughs> millennials, <laughs> super interested, curious people. What am I saying, yeah. nerds? Yeah, that's the best <laughs> way to describe it. Okay, cool. So you got your you got your first. That's really interesting. You got your first few clients and your traction from your podcast, and they were targeted. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So then you started to climb the ranks a bit, because um, I want to talk about the power of knowing your customers' money story, because this is this is a podcast about storytelling, and. Don't necessarily go into say like the stories you tell yourself, but I wouldn't mind opening up that box. Like, is that how yeah. you started off helping clients? Like, did it start out with budgeting and and you know making sure you're tracking expenses, and then it turned out to be like you started talking to clients, and it was a lot deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, I 
I would love to say that I came out of the gate and was super woke to the idea of money mindset, but I was an actuary. So I was like data in data out, you know, money is simple. We should all be able to do this. And the truth is that there's so much more to any, anything in our life so much of things that happen in our life and the decisions that we make are based around money. And what I learned as a coach in general is that we always have to calibrate based off of our behavior. And so when I was working with my clients and I was saying, Hey, follow this budget. And then they weren't following the budget. I was like, there's nothing wrong with the budget. So what's going on here? And that's because everybody has a unique experience when it comes to money, when it comes to budgeting. And this is really, you know, when you, when you talk about your money story, a lot of it is developed between the ages of zero and seven, when you are Mm. like a a child, just taking in like a sponge, every single thing that's happening around you. And what do our parents mostly fight about if they're going to fight? What do all relationships mostly fight about if they're going to fight money Um, And also not even that, but also like media is such, there's so much conversation about what it means to be rich. And a lot of us pick up like, oh, being, being filthy rich. So rich is a bad thing. It's a filthy thing or money is dirty because like money is technically very dirty. Like there's a lot of germs on money, but if you pick up your, pick up money and put it in your mouth, cause you're a three-year-old and your mom's like, don't do that. Money is dirty. We make these connections. So it's not yeah. just, you know, if your parents thought about money, but also all these other connections that we pick up. So there's a lot of reasons why now, you know, I might be working with uh, someone in their twenties or thirties and they're still you know, getting themselves into difficult situations because subconsciously their money story is telling them that it's actually bad to have a lot of money in your savings account because then you're filthy rich or something along those lines. And, and that's okay. That's really curious because, and, and these people, they just what they, they subconsciously spend because there's money in their account and they don't know why. And, or is it something else to it that I'm not quite piecing together? It can be a bunch of different things. And so, yeah, it could be that it feels wrong to see a lot of money in your account. And if you've never experienced that or had that root story that like money is meant to be spent, it's really hard to understand. My parents were very good with money. And so Mm -hmm. they, they always had, you know, more than enough, but in working with my clients and now I actually coach money coaches and we really, that's why I think it's so important for any type of business owner to understand your client's money story, because the things that your clients do, especially if money is a part of that, there's so much more information under there than just like, oh, they are or are not doing what I'm saying. So there are people who grew up always seeing their parents, you know, whenever they got a paycheck, they just spent it right away. And so they develop and uh, and, uh, adapt to those habits. And that just ends up being their their natural impulse is I got a paycheck and I'm going to spend it. So although you might think like, it's not like money appears and then it just goes away, but by, you know, believing got money, it's time to go pay for all of these things. Like that's how it gets ingrained in you. Interesting. Okay. And and the way you've described it, it sounds like it's just human nature, Uh, but you were saying before, it's good to know the power of your customer's money story. 
how would you go about without <laughs> would you do this overtly or covertly when you're trying to figure this out with your customers <laughs> that's a good question so i mean i would do it overtly i would you know in the market research process we we really should be trying to get to get to know our customers from every angle and yep. you know the the process that I teach my clients is really to come out of the gate and, you know, obviously talk about what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing? What are some of the goals that you have? What keeps you up at night? But then also being willing to go there when it comes to money. And I think this is my job. And so talking about money is such a comfortable thing. So sometimes I forget that for other people, it's like, don't go there. But this is the best question you can ask is any question around money, right? Mm -hmm. What would you be willing to pay for a program or a product that could solve this, this problem for you? That's a money question right then and there. And sometimes even just by asking that question, you can get a glimpse at your, your potential client's money story. Um, but you can also go there if you want. You can say, hey, I'm curious, like, how do you go about making investment decisions, right? How someone goes about making investment decisions is also a glimpse at how they're, you know, how they think about whether they're going to mm. buy your thing or not. And I think even just understanding like how they would describe, do, would they ever say something like, I need to invest in myself? Or are they more likely to say something like, I need to invest in my education or in my health or in something else? So there's so many little nuances that you know, all the way from how you have a sales conversation and, yep. and talking about money in general. Cause like, if you're a business owner and if you're doing sales calls or sales conversations, better get used to talking about money. Cause it's going to come up. Um, yeah. but even all the way back to the way that you market and the way that you talk about the process or the act or the idea of investing in your product or program. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually uncanny you mentioned that because I wrote an email yesterday, a story specifically uh, addressing, you know, because um, at, at the moment I'm paying about 1500 bucks for a coaching pack. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and for us entrepreneurs, everyone will be like, wow, who is this coach? Are they any good if it's that little? But if you told uh, like everyday people, they'd be like, damn, that's expensive. And then so I was just piecing together this story, like expensive compared to what? Um, yeah. and, and that's, that's the big question. Um, cause it's all, it's all about reconditioning people. Like what's that? Okay. You, you're not used to paying that much, but what is that actually, what's that money actually get you in the grand scheme of things? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just a little amusing thought I had. Um, yeah. well, and <laughs> I'm when sure you, you do that as well. Yeah. When you know your ideal client, you're going to know what expensive means for them, right? Like if your ideal client is, I don't know, a, it, let's say you're like a career coach and you only work with executives, like mm -hmm. $1,500 is not expensive. $1,500 is probably a drop in the bucket. But if you're working with a fresh college grad who's trying to lose some weight, $1,500 might feel like a massive stretch for them. Then you add on top of it, the fact that you know, maybe the executive actually has a money story that where when he grew up, it was bad to be wealthy and he's still working through that. And then maybe the fresh college grad is, is actually from the, the idea that 
if I get a big lump sum, I'm going to spend it $1,500 on this. Let's say it's a health coach or something like these are, these are just things to understand. So you can better know how to, how to handle those conversations, what to expect and what might come up, especially when it comes to like money objections, which is one of the big objections that we'll face as entrepreneurs. Yeah. These are all really powerful. I'm definitely going to be using these in some of my interviews, like asking how do you make an investment? That's yeah. super, super powerful. And, and something I want to touch on as well, because I looked on your LinkedIn profile and something that I felt as well. And it was, is when you were starting your money coaching business, you said you, you felt like you needed money yesterday. Now I was in that same position probably this year, right? I, I needed clients today, but mm-hmm. one of my, my coach said that, look, you can't just, you have to it push away the people who, who you say, who you will work with and the people who you will not work with. And it was actually kind of funny because I had several people who wouldn't be the right fit came into my world and I had to say no to them. Then after a bit of prospecting, the prospecting, the right person came along and uh, just like out of the blue like that, it was really, really cool. And we did a six figure launch together with email and she was one of my best clients out of that. And it was all just coming down to, you know, it was kind of weird, like pushing away the bad money or like the money that I said I wouldn't accept um, in favor of the, you know, what you would be comfortable taking. Is, is that how you sort of felt similar on your journey as well? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I was that aware of not accepting clients that would be wrong. So I definitely accepted my fair share of not the best fit clients, but I was just learning it as I go. But I think you make a good point. And in that when it boils down to it, and this is what I, I talk to my, my money coaches about as well, is that at the end of the day, this is an exchange of value, right? Money is just one way to put a a price on what you are offering and what you're getting in return. But there's other things that can have just as much value as money. Now, I still think it's good to get comfortable with exchanging money. So even if you're going to offer me your services and I'm going to offer you my services, we should still pay each other. And even mm-hmm. if it's the exact same amount, we should still pay each other because I think that people can oftentimes be uncomfortable with the idea of receiving money, but that's a whole nother topic. But when you're talking about, you know, finding the right people and, and not taking on the wrong people who aren't the good fit, like at the end of the day, they might both be paying you the same amount, but if you're working, you know, and you're, you're working with both of them, you're going to resent the people who aren't the good fit potentially because what you can offer them, what you can get for them, it's not actually working because they're not the good fit, or maybe the personality isn't a good fit and it just like energetically drains you. And so that doesn't end up feeling good at the end of the day anyway. So you're so much better off, like giving yourself boundaries around who you will and will not take on. And there's a coach down the line that is going to be perfect for those people anyway. And you might even have people you can Mm. refer them to, but it's so much better to protect your energy than just say like, yes, I'll take any last dollar that you can provide me with. And if you make the mistake and you take on the wrong person, guess what? You're going to learn a great lesson and you're going to be like, I'm never going to do that again, because as much as it's awesome to get money, it 
sucks to give away so much energy to the wrong people who, you know, might not even get the results at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. I I think that is absolutely perfect. If you're starting out right now, uh, you're probably going to have to suck it up and just deal with those bad people, but it'll make you compare to, it'll make you think about all the bad times when you eventually move on to the good people about, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is who I want to really serve. And this is definitely who I do not want to serve. Um, Mm -hmm. getting a bit, getting a bit on a tangent here, um, because I do want to talk about something called how to navigate price objections. That's obviously a huge one people will have. Um, so let, let's hear it. Let's hear a bit of a horror story. Uh, did you, did you, were you just like trembling in a, in a coach? You're like, yeah, it's $2,000. And then they, oh. I, I don't know, something like that. Um, I started out as a money coach, yep. which is probably one of the most like catch 22 type of things when you're trying to sell people who need help with, money and they Mm -hmm. have to pay you money first before you can help them. And it just sounds for anybody who is thinking about being a money coach, that can oftentimes sound so, so difficult. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, and because I think when you start money coaching as, as a business, you want to help people and you want to help people with their money. And so then it's really hard to overcome this idea that you still have to collect before you can really offer. Um, so yeah, I've had my fair share of price objections, but I think this also comes up for, you know, people like business coaches or people who are, who are offering something and you have to help the person see that like, sometimes Mm -hmm. the investment has to come before you have the proof because that's how investments work. Um, so my, my best tips for, for handling price objections from someone who not only has gotten their fair of share of price objections, but has had to become an expert in helping my money coaches who are my clients learn how to master this art because it's such a big one that comes up is first just, you know, most likely you're going to be on a a coaching call or having a conversation in the DMS or in email. And I always say, check your energy first, right? If you are having this sales conversation, you know that you're going to be talking about money. And so if you can, even before getting into the conversation, like keep your energy high before you start going into the investment. And then again, if you, if you have an idea of what your, your ideal client's money story is, or, you know, how they think about investing or what Mm -hmm. would seem, what would seem expensive and what would seem affordable. Like there's ways that you can gauge that. If you have an idea, then you know how to approach this, this part of the conversation as a money coach. I just always like to keep it super casual. And so I'll be like, all right, it's time for us to talk about the investment. Are you ready? Should we do it? Like, this is part of my, this is my job to always talk about money. So we're going to get into it and just keep the, the, the energy high and, and act like, you know, this is, I do this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like after you do a handful of calls, it is no big deal, but it can still be hard, especially when you get the initial, like, Ooh, (laughs) yeah. Okay. I was not expecting it to be that expensive. So when you get any sort of pushback on the price, my best advice is never to be like, okay, I have payment plans. We can make it work and it's going to be fine. And let me just like give you a discount. And actually it's going to be free, right? That's like <laughs> usually how it goes. 
Instead, oh, it sounds I very similar you... to my first sales call. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead, I want you to explore. I want you to, and it might be uncomfortable, especially if you don't have experience exploring financial relationships and other yeah. people's financial relationships. But just allow yourself to go there because this is, you know, whether and. I, I obviously coach coaches. And so it's really about, you know, understanding that this is your opportunity to show them how you are going to work with them mm-hmm. when you do do start. And again, whether it's like a health coach or a career coach or a business coach or a money coach, you're probably going to talk about money at some point or something that relates to money, which health and fitness is a really good correlator. So we can come back to that in a second. Um, but, but getting comfortable digging in. And so I always suggest to, to inquire a little further. Okay. You're feeling, I can, I can tell that you're a little caught off guard by this. Um, tell me a little bit more about how this feels for you. Like, can you tell me what's, what's coming up? What are you thinking? And, and then just go silent. Don't offer them you know, answers to answer you just let them, let them sit and answer. Um, cause a lot of times you'll really get an inside insider look at how they're processing this payment, which even at the end of the day, if it's going to be a no, you got some really good data there and there's your market research for m- your client's money story and the way that they think through investments. Um, So when you start to understand that, then you can also go into, okay, if I was able to guarantee, and this isn't saying I'm going to guarantee, but if I was able to guarantee the results that you want. So if it's money coaching, it's if I was able to guarantee that we could save as much as you're going to spend, would this be a heck yes? Would this be a no brainer? If you're a business coach, you know, if I could guarantee you make this amount back, if it's health, you've probably gauged their finance or their finances, their goals, and yeah. then you can help them identify the goals. Um, so if I'm able to guarantee that, would this be a no brainer? And if they say yes, then you know, this isn't a question of, is this going to be worth it for me? You, It's more likely a an issue of be, am I really me as the, as the call, the client on the call, I'm wondering, if I can commit and do the work and, and make this investment at the same time, that's where we get into the fear of investing versus, is this actually a worthy product that, you know, I think is valuable here. Yeah. 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 So, so you were saying like, um, it, once you pose that question, um, you know, if, if, if I could make this break, like essentially break even for you, yeah. um, <clears throat> that's when you go a step further into saying, you know, uh, let's, if, if they, they're like a, maybe let's sort of uncover what any other emotions, any other fear behind that, because they're, they're saying a, a half. Yes. Is, would that be right? When you're asking that question? Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if, if this is going to be a no brainer because I can get you the results and then usually it's and beyond that, but if we can at least get you your investment back, would this be a no brainer? And they're like, well, yeah, then it would be. Mm. Then what is actually underlying there is just the fear of making the investment. Because if you make the investment and you can get me the results, then why wouldn't you do it? Now, 
I want to make sure that I touch on the fact that some people just don't have the resources available. And if that's the case, that's something to respect and understand. And you Mm -hmm. can also then go into the conversation of, okay, I hear that you actually don't think you can afford this, right? There's a difference between being able to afford something and being afraid to invest in something. So if it's an affordability thing, that's where you can start opening the doors into, you know, I do have some options. I I make sure that this is going to be doable for my clients. Do you want to know a little bit more about what those options look like? If they don't ask you, which usually they just end up asking you, if they don't ask you, then you can go into, listen, I think this is an affordability issue for you. Let's talk about what those options look like. But if it's a fear thing, then that's something to explore because then it's, it's understanding, okay, what's coming up for you? Why, what is the fear? Are you afraid that you will make it the investment, but then you won't be able to stay committed and get the results that I know if you go through this process, I can get you. Um, And that gets you even deeper and really gives you the opportunity to explore that with them. Yeah. I was going to say like, there's a, like, is it the fear of uncertainty in themselves or is it the fear of uncertainty in your ability to, to do it? I'm not questioning your ability to test, but then like, yeah. that's the golden question. Would that be right that, you, that you're trying to uncover? Is it them or is it, do I need to make more trust or give them more proof? Which normally isn't the case. It's normally themselves. Like, do, can I trust myself to go through with this? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that if, if you start the conversation with, if I could guarantee you this, mm. would you be willing to do it? And then you start exploring that. That's usually then the lack of trust in themselves for being able to show up and fully commit. Um, And then you can start, you know, is there a time where this has come up in your life where you made an investment and it didn't work out? And then you can talk about that. Um, And some other things are really just like, well, I just want to know that it's going to work before I make this investment. And like I mentioned before, that's how investing works is you don't know what the return will be. It's there's a risk involved, but it's helping your client understand and get comfortable with that risk. Okay. And how do you get your client? Golden question. (laughs) How do you get your client comfortable with that risk? That is the golden question. And really, this also comes from really understanding your clients and understanding not only their money story and what they're, you know, looking to achieve or what they're interested in. And a lot of those things you can uncover from the sales call. Um, But also understanding, you know, culturally, what would be something that would relate to them, but I would use your little storytelling method um, Mm. in the sense that this is something that you should definitely explore because our, our subconscious part of our brain loves stories and that's what the way that it processes things the best. And so when we're talking about money mindset and how we have money stories and we, we, we craft our beliefs about money from a very young age, you can use story to help kind of start to detach from some of these like tightly held beliefs that investing is scary or that investing is risky. And we shouldn't do that because when I was a kid, my dad was an entrepreneur and he lost a bunch of money and it was a terrible time for our family, right? That's where your brain goes subconsciously. And so you really want to help them kind of peel that apart. And a way you can do that is through story. So an example I like to use, and, and it can be a story, it can be a kind of a parable or it can be a metaphor. And I know it'll probably feel really weird to do this probably the first time. So you'll be like, mm-hmm. do you mind if I tell you a story or can I, can I, can I 
take you on a little journey with me. But a lot of times you can find where it's the perfect time to, to insert it. And so one of the metaphors that I like to use, which you could turn into a longer story if you wanted to, but as I was saying, money is always so tied to um, fitness and health. And really it's just like about our behaviors and things that we do. And so if you have someone who's like, I'm afraid that it's not going to work. I want to see that it's going to work before I take that risk. You can ask them, well, are you going to lose 10 pounds before you join the gym membership? Or do you join the gym membership so you can lose 10 pounds? Great question. Great question. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, this is just one example, but there's so many things money and fitness crossover a lot. So I use that business and dating crossover a lot. So that's another good one to use. Um, but really understanding your market and, and understanding your ideal client, and then using something where they can detach themselves. They can also, and, or they can detach from the question at hand, the the topic that they're tensing up about, right? If you're a health coach and this is just now for general coaching, but like if your client is have a hard having a hard time really grasping what they need to be doing or they're you know they're not behaving in a certain way you can help them detach from whatever they're they're clinging to right if they're clinging to like well i just always come home and eat a giant pizza by myself that's me um and and that's kind of like the Everyone's thing that they that. just end up doing right um if that's just what they keep end up ending up doing then it's really helping them understand by through t- storytelling and how you yeah. can like remove them from the equation maybe remove the eat an entire pizza from the equation but share something that's parallel that they can process subconsciously without rejecting it immediately Yes. Yeah. Like it's just like connecting what's known with the unknown in their head so that it's just like, Oh, okay. Like makes a lot more sense instead of just like, I don't know, just drilling into their head that um, like a new way, this is why you should believe it. This is why you should believe it. No, this is like comparing two different things. Like you said, what's known, what's unknown. And I really like that comparison between the gym. You you don't, you don't question going to the gym if you need to lose weight. You just, just mm-hmm. that's what you invest beforehand. Tess, yeah. it's been a really, really good conversation on here. I really enjoyed the pricing objection and the money story stuff. Where can my audience find you? And I know you've got, uh, you didn't have a lead magnet. Sorry, you didn't have a freebie, but you did have a, a little workbook um, on offer for my audience. Yes, I have the online coaches pricing workbook. It is currently $27. It might be going up a little bit, but it is well worth it. It's like an entire course jam-packed into 35 pages, and it'll really help you learn how to price your offering and uh, and know how to do it with confidence, knowing that you've, you're, you've considered all the costs that go into your business, you've considered what you want to make from your business, and you've considered what your client or your niche is willing to pay for whatever it is that you're pricing. So you can get that by going to wanderwealthy.com slash workbook. Awesome. And listen back to this episode and get some tips on how to suck out that money mindset story. So definitely, (laughs) definitely nice there. And if they want to find you on the web, on social media, um, where's the best place for you? 
Yeah. So they can check out the podcast. It's called the Wander Wealthy Podcast, but you can find it at wanderwealthypodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And I am always hanging out on Instagram. I am at Tess underscore Wix over there. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time anywhere else. So if you're not on Instagram, come join me. I love okay. to have friends. <laughs> Instagram podcast. That's the best place. Tess, thanks so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Hey, so that's a wrap for the episode. Now, Tess is the first person who hasn't come on with a freebie, but she has given you the price reduction code because I don't like I don't like the word discount. Price reduction code for her workbook that she just mentioned at the end there, and it is Julian Seven. So J U L I A N Seven. And you can get that workbook for seven bucks and it's come down from 27. She said she's going to be putting up 47. So you're getting absolute ripper deal for coming on, listening to the podcast and grabbing that. So it's going to go into a lot more deep, better detail of what we spoke about today. Price injections, money mindset, that sort of stuff. Otherwise, hope you enjoyed today's episode of Storytelling Secrets. It's come out on the new year. Today is first of 2021 so hope you enjoy the new year i'm gonna see uh on the next episode of storytelling secrets bye-bye